Yeah, this morning, um, when Alexis read what she did for communion, I wanted to reread it because this is exactly the prayer that we pray when you understand the message that we've been in for a few weeks. Today we're going to be finalizing, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> the interview, right? That life is an interview. But I want, to, I want to begin by reading this prayer again and really pay attention to the words. Pay attention to what it is from the aspect of this life is not our own. But this life is what we give to the Lord, literally, for the next life. And I know I'm ringing. It's driving me nuts. Alright, let me, let me read here. Lord, I'm yours. Whatever the cost may be, may your will be done in my life. I realize I'm not here on earth to do my own thing, or to seek my own fulfillment... Or my own glory. I'm not here to indulge my desires. To increase my possessions. To impress people. To be popular. To prove I'm somebody important. Or to promote myself. I'm not here even to be relevant or successful. By human standards. I'm simply here to please you. I offer myself to you for you are worthy. All that I am or hope to be, I owe to you. I'm yours by creation, and every day I receive from you life and breath and all things. And I'm yours because you bought me, and the price you paid was the precious blood of Christ. You alone, the triune God, are worthy to be my Lord and Master. I yield to you my gracious and glorious Heavenly Father. To the Lord Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me, to the Holy Spirit and his gracious influence and empowering. All that I am and all that I have to give to you. All that I have, I give to you. I give you any rebellion in me which resists doing your will. I give you my pride and self-dependence which tell me I can do your will in my own power if I try hard enough. I give you my fears, which tell me I'll never be able to do your will in some areas of my life. I consent to let you energize me, to create within me, moment by moment, both the desire and the power to do your will. I give you my body and each of its members, my entire inner being, my mind, my emotional life, my will, my loved ones, my marriage or my hopes for marriage, my abilities and gifts, my strengths and weaknesses, my health, my status, high or low, my possessions, my past, my present, and my future, when and how I'll go home. I'm here to love you, to obey you, to glorify you. Oh, my beloved May I be a joy to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, may that prayer be true in each one of our lives. And Father, as we look at this last part of what the meaning of this life is, what you intend for us in this life and what what this life really is for, God, help that prayer to be true in our own lives. Help us to understand the consequences. Help us to understand the the cost. Father, I give you my mouth. I give you my mind, my will, my feet, my hands. I give you my tongue. I ask that you take complete control and say whatever you want to say. I declare my mouth is yours. I ask that not a single word of my own slips through. But that it be from your heart and your mind. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. If you recall, two weeks ago we began this, at the time I didn't know it would be a series, but this series on what this life really is about. You know, the the understanding that this life is not just something we get through so then we can be with Christ. You know, if we accept Him into our hearts, that's like the, the greatest victory of this life, and then from there we just have to endure. How sad is that? I'm saved now. I just got to make it to the end. I just got to, just got to make it without, you know, being too depressed or being too bored or, or, or whatever. Cause I'm saved and I, I have heaven coming. I just got to make it through this life. Or sadly, even worse than that, that you accept Christ into your heart and then you decide your life is yours. To do with what you want simply because Jesus allows the freedom in Christ to do anything. Both ways really paint a false picture of what this life really is. We started it two weeks ago that this life is literally an interview. It is an interview, Matthew 25, the parable of of the good steward. Parable, a parable of the talents where, where you had these, these servants that some were good stewards, there was one that was not. And in that he gave an example of what happened to each. See, when we are given this gift of eternal life, we're also given an interview. We're given the possibility to literally take the assets that Jesus Christ gives us And to be a good steward of those assets. See, you've all heard the phrase, there's a calling on your life. Right? We all have a calling on our life. That's not just something that God gives us and says, here, play around with this thing for a little bit. It's literally an asset that He gives us that we are to be a good steward of. It's our responsibility. The calling of my life from the Father is none of your responsibility. It is all of my responsibility. Just like the the calling that the Father has on each one of your lives is not anyone else's responsibility but your own. That's what this life is about. Because, see, He is interviewing for those who would reign with Him. Revelation chapter 3. He is interviewing for those that would be in the mind of Christ to the point where they would make the same decisions that He would. Because when He comes and reigns on this earth for a thousand years, it's in a literal sense. He will reign on this earth for a thousand years. That's not a metaphor. He will reign as you see kings reign, as you see presidents reign right now. He will come and literally be the king of the earth. He will not and cannot and chooses not to do that himself. Thus the interview process. This life is literally an interview To have the position with Him for eternity. We talked about that a little bit two weeks ago. Alexis talked about it last week. And and even though it was not planned that way. Last week took a turn that the Lord wanted. But it was still the same thing. It was this idea that Jesus Christ wants to formulate our mind here on earth in this life, in this body, to understand His heart, to understand that literally our mind becomes transformed into the mind of Christ. That's what Paul said. That's why he said, I die daily to my life, right? Turn to Revelation chapter 3. We ended with this part two weeks ago, and I, I, I want to begin with it in... in recollection of two weeks ago, but also the Lord showed me something new. I I didn't think that he could show me anything new about Revelation 3 verse 9, but he did. 
So I, I just want to begin with that, and then and then really the part that we're going to go over again is is verses eleven and twelve. But but verse nine, behold, I will make those. And and by the way, as I read this, those of you who were here Friday, this verse is going to mean something a little different to you, just like it did to me when I read it this morning. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. If that did not play itself out on Friday night, I don't know what did. It began. It began. I don't know about you, but but... For those who were here Friday night, there was something that shifted. There was something that began. And, and remember, remember the Bible talks about everything that happens on this earth began in the courts of heaven. Everything that happens in this earth begins in the spirit realm. Oftentimes, we don't see it in the physical until it has already happened. In the spiritual. And that's simply because everything goes according to God's righteous judgment. We've talked about that. I don't want to dovetail into that. Let's go down to verse 11. We talked about this life being an interview and what we give in this life that that is... The part of our life that is given to Jesus Christ and and all that we give to Him and let Him work through us, we then will receive rewards for that. We'll receive rewards. You've heard that. You know, crowns. We'll receive crowns. We'll receive other eternal rewards for what we do here. But, But then as we talked about two weeks ago, not all will receive those. Matthew 25, the the parable of the talents, the the servant who had the one and went and hid it in the ground. He received nothing. He received nothing. Did he stop being a servant? No, he was still a servant. But he was a disobedient servant. And he was not given what was given the other two. So verse 11 Jesus is writing to the church of Philadelphia and he says, I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. See, it's important to recognize that's, that's a nice little thing to say and, 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 you know, rah, rah and, and all that. But to understand Jesus said that for a purpose because it's possible. Right? It's possible for your crown to be taken. Is it talking about salvation here? No. It's not. Because Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit until you receive. So until you receive eternal life, which means you've breathed your last breath here on earth, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, guaranteed to receive that eternal life. So what Jesus is talking about here is not eternal life. Not that that can be taken from you. So what can be taken from you? The very things that we earn in this life. The crowns, the rewards. We talked about last week how, how, how the, the, to be careful in your life, live it till the end for Christ because you don't want at the end not paying attention for the enemy to come in and take you in a wrong direction because all that you have earned is lost. See, it's kind of like in an interview. If I'm in an interview and the first part of that goes great and this interviewer is just loving me, I know I got this thing, And then I become a little lax toward the end. And I make a statement that kind of irritates them. And then in their mind, they're thinking, okay, I I, I can't put this guy in front of people if he would actually become lax and do something like that. See, do you recognize that every part of this life is important? You only have one life. 
you only have one point where you can operate in faith. Because when we live, the, when we leave this life, we are with Him face to face. And therefore it's no longer by faith that we live. But we live with Him. So, so every moment of this life is precious. And, and that's why Jesus said, you know, to those conquerors in verse 11, hold fast to what you have. So no one can seize your crown. And then as we went over two weeks ago, verse 12, to the one who conquers, to the one who holds on to what they have, holds on to the rewards they have and lives this conquering life throughout, says, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. We talked about that two weeks ago, how that is the very foundation of his governmental system. When we hit the thousand year reign and beyond, by the way, He will have a governmental system in place. If you think that's crazy, which by the way, you know, five years ago, I I probably would have said, yeah, you're crazy. No, when we get to heaven, we just float in this joy bubble. That's what we do. We, we get to, we get to just think about all the fun things and no, I can't describe it, but it's kind of like the matrix. Where, where you, you're just hooked up to all this fun stuff. You really don't do anything. You just kind of float. But, but it's paradise. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I, I got, I hate to admit this, but that's probably, that's more or less how I felt. Cause I, I couldn't really describe heaven. I couldn't really describe what was coming. I couldn't describe the fact that that, that no, there is intent and there's purpose there. See why? Because there was one paradigm shift I had to have happen in my life. And that was the difference from receiving to giving. See, we receive eternal life, but we will be giving for eternity. Does that make sense? See, when you, when, and the biggest thing that opened my eyes to that is the fact that in the thousand year reign and beyond for eternity, there will still be nations upon the earth. In fact, the nations will come and will pay homage to Christ in the new Jerusalem. There will be a structure in eternity. Not just the thousand year reign, but for eternity there will be a structure. It starts to make sense because, see, that's how Jesus set it up. Do you know the governmental structure, much of the structure that we have today, had it root, had its roots in the Word of God? You know that our, our uh, judicial system and, and, and the, the checks and balances, it all has its roots in the Word of God. Why do you think that is? Just because God figured that, hey, that's a cool way to do it. No, it's because that's how it's supposed to be, and that's how it's going to be. So see, what we are interviewing here for is a position to give later. You, 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 ever, you ever wonder why politicians or, or those who, who work for the government are called servants for the government? You know, you, you think, hey, you know, that'd be a pretty cool job. You get to make all the decisions. You make good money. How is that being a servant? But see, you have to understand what a servant does. A servant is responsible for the decisions they make. They're responsible to lead others. They're, they're literally responsible for lives. You know, that's what it's going to be like. Those are the positions you and I are interviewing for right now is, is to be put in a place of responsibility with Jesus Christ. So I want you to turn to 2 John chapter 1. 2 John chapter 1. Yeah, good point. Yes. 2 John, the chapter. How's that? What I meant to say is we're going to read verse 4 through 9. <laughs> but you do not want to lose what you have gained. 
And from that aspect, do you have a relationship with the Father? Because that's really what this boils down to. It's not about what you do. Because God, in His, in His family, He has many members, many positions. All positions are important. Everything, just like within a local body, every position, everything we do, everyone has an important role to play. Same with the Father. So in developing relationship with Him, in this interview process, He places us where we need, where He needs us to be. So let, let's begin in 2 John verse 4. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth. By the way, this, this book, 2 John, I believe was in, in, I don't know if most theologians, but, but many theologians believe this was a letter written to Mary, Jesus' mother. Okay. Um, John was given at the cross, if you recall, John was given, um, uh, protection over her. He was in charge. When Jesus left, he, he, he said, look, look, here, here's your, your, your mother, here are your brothers. You know, in essence, he was saying, when I am gone, please take care of my mother. Take care of my family. And so John had, had done that, and that's, and we believe that this letter was to her. Okay, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments, and this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and an antichrist. Watch yourselves. So that you, and pay attention to this, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but what, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. What does that mean? See, in relationship, you can have the Son and not the Father. Let me repeat that, because that's a little bit hard to swallow. In relationship, you can have the Son and not the Father. See, because when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart, we are covered by the blood of Christ. The Father looks at us, and I've said this before, through a veil of Jesus' blood. That gives us a connection with Jesus Christ because He bought our lives with a price. It does not, however, give us a connection with the Father except that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That relationship with the Father, we're going to get into in just a second because there's a requirement for that. That's why you have in religion today, you have so many of these, these separations of, of religion where, where someone's going to follow a law and become legalistic in that. Because they think that is how you develop a relationship with the Father. And yet they don't understand the Word of God that well because He makes it real clear how to have a relationship with Him. And John just said it to Mary. He said, obeying the very most important commandment. What was that? That was to love. To love Him, which, you know, that one's pretty easy to swallow, right? You can't accept a free gift from somebody you're not going to love. Right? If you're going to love Jesus Christ, you, you can accept that free gift from Him. But it's the loving each other that I, I think that so much of the bride doesn't get. And the evidence of that is that the bride is, is competitive. I mean, I mean, 
I, I, I used to think it was worth overseas, but but man alive, it's it's ridiculous here. It's ridiculous where where well yeah we'll we'll be friends with this other church because they kind of believe the way we do, you know, and they they don't live too close, so we're not competing for people. How sad is that? I want you to turn though and and recognize as as we're turning from this part, it said he, John was saying to Mary, "Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what you have worked so hard for. What we worked so hard for, we don't want to lose." So tr- turn to John chapter 15. And this is when we get into the meat of what it means to develop a relationship with the Father. What it means to really have effectiveness in this life. Now Jesus said He is the true vine. And what He tells us, what He was telling His disciples in this passage here, this is one of my favorite passages in the Word of God. What He's telling you here is the process of this life. This is the process that we go through. Chapter 15, verse 1 says this, I am the true vine, this is Jesus speaking, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, in Jesus Christ, that does not bear fruit, the Father takes away. Do you understand the workings here? Okay, Jesus became the vine because He inserted Himself into His own creation, became a man, lived sinless as a man, died on the cross, and rose from the grave. He paid the price of perfect humanity. He paid the price that had to be paid so that others could have eternal life. He became the vine. But He is not the owner of the vineyard. He is not the one who who does all of the pruning. He became a gateway. He became an example to you and me. And we had to have that. Because before Jesus Christ, no one had lived a sinless life. No one could even pursue it from an example of somebody that had lived a sinless life. But Jesus came when He died for us. He didn't just die for us so we could, we could be saved and, and avoid hell. He died for us so He could be an example. That His life literally became an example of how to live and how to conduct this interview of this life. So He says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the Father takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. By the way, uh, never mind. That'll go down a rabbit hole, never mind. <laughs> Lord, I thank you, Lord, I said no, none of my own words. Verse 3, already you are clean. You can put in there, already you are saved. Already you know that you are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ to us. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. What does that word abide mean? It means to stay steadfast. Stay consistent. Abide in Jesus Christ and He will abide in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. He's saying that we cannot produce fruit in our life if we do not abide in Him. We cannot have a successful interview in this life if we are not inserting our life into His and letting Him mold it how He wants it to be. Right? I am the vine, verse 5, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. 
For apart from me, you could do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Is that talking about hell? No. This whole passage is talking about usefulness. This whole passage is talking about what you want to do in relationship with Christ and Him being able to use you in that. Have you ever seen a life that didn't want to do anything for Christ? They know Christ is Savior, but they don't want to give up their own selfishness or their own desires in life. See, if this is talking about hell, then that means that their salvation is not secure. But it is. This is talking about that process in which they can be used in the next life. When we do that, when we take our eyes off Christ and we take our, our eyes off what He wants in our life, we're literally pulling ourselves out of the interview process for Him to use us the next life for eternity. What a cost. What a huge cost. And it's because we don't understand that we only have this life to do that in. And, it, and, and just like the prayer that, that we prayed out of the book Alexis gave me, it, it's, it's not about, you know, what I attain in this life. Well, I, I can attain position in this life that gives me, gives me uh, the ability or the experience to make wise decisions. See, it's not about that. Because human wisdom is not what's going to run God's kingdom. It's the mind of Christ. There's only one way to obtain the mind of Christ. And that is to submit yourself to Him, to have relationship with Him, and have relationship with the Father. Because it was that relationship between Jesus as a man... And his father as God. It was that relationship that became an example to us. We have that available to us. That's exactly what Jesus wants to teach us. That's why he came and became a man. So he could teach us. We can have even with this fallen state. Even who we are. Because what Adam did. We still can have relationship with the Father. How crazy is that? See, I grew up kind of thinking he was, he was the mean guy that you really didn't have much to do with him because if you had something to do with him, that means you're in trouble. You don't want something to do with him, not till later, not till you're in, in that floating bubble of joy. That's when you can have something to do with the Father. What a, what a myopic view of who God was. That's not who he is. See, God is, remember, it's a triune God. Right? It was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It was the, the Son who, in obedience, chose, and in His love, chose to take on the form of a man. This was not just for 33 years. This was for eternity. He became our advocate he didn't go back up to the throne and, okay, okay, Father, I got this now, thanks. Thanks for getting me through the 33 years and I'll take this back over for now. See, he couldn't do that. Because the cost and the payment that he had to pay was for eternity. That didn't stop him from being God, however. Because at any point when he was a man, he could have taken on his godship. That's why Satan tempted him to do that very thing. He said, he said, jump off here. The angels, they'll save you. Why? Because you're God. But see, Jesus could not operate as God when he was on this earth because he wouldn't be an example to us. So what a sacrifice. What a sacrifice. 
So even now, He becomes our advocate. He sits at the right hand of the Father. The, the Lord said it's not even His throne. He sits at the right hand of the Father's throne while the Father prepares His throne. He will come after the tribulation to claim His throne. So what He is still trying to do, He did it with His life, He made it possible through His death and His resurrection. But even now, standing at the right hand of the Father as our advocate, He is trying to teach us that you can have a relationship with the Father. We can have a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. And that's what He's saying here. Abide in Him and we will have this relationship. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. It'll be done for you. First of all, how can he say that? That's kind of like telling his disciples, you know, abide in me and whatever you want is yours. You know, you want that really cool Jeep, just ask. Right? Okay, there's a caveat to that though. It's the whole abide thing. As we build relationship with Jesus Christ and relationship with the, water, with the Father, what actually happens? Our mind changes. We start to see this world differently. Those of you who have been in ignition for a long time, you, you, you see the world differently as you have developed relationship through Jesus Christ with the Father. You see it differently. You have to. And I'm not talking about giftings, because that happens too. I mean, I mean, for, for those that the Lord gives sight to, you really see, see this world differently. <laughs> right, Shannon? <laughs> he gives us sight to see as He sees. He gives us understanding to know this world as He knows it. Again, so we become on the same page with Him. That's why He could say this to the, to the disciples. He said, if you abide in Me and we have this continued relationship and My relationship is in the Father, ask whatever you want and it'll, it'll be done. Why? Because He knew He could trust that it would not be coming from a place of selfishness, but it would be coming from a place of knowing what is necessary. And this, this is just, this is something we're just now kind of wrapping our arms around in understanding. You know, it, it's taken me a long time to really truly understand what that means. Even to ask things that, that are for the bride to make these bold requests and be these, these, these things that we say that we want to see happen. You still got to do it by faith. You still got to believe what he's saying there. He's saying, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you develop the mind of Christ. He said, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done. Do we believe that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And he tells us why. Verse eight, by this, my father is glorified. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. It is by the fruit that is coming out of our lives that we prove our love, not only for Jesus Christ, but the Father. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. See, now he's telling you how to abide. He said you must abide. You must stay with him in relationship. But now he's telling you how. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Now, by the way, it was different for the two of us. See, the commandments that the Father was taught, or that Jesus is talking about here, that He had to keep, are different than what we have to keep. See, because Jesus was the transition from the law to grace. He was the very catalyst that brought grace on, right? 
So the laws that he kept were every point of the law that the Bible said man could not do. No man has ever done. But because he did it, if we abide in him, we can keep his commandments that he has placed on us and expected us to do. And what is that? Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now on the surface, that seems pretty simple. But when you really look at what Christ's love for us meant, it begins to paint a picture of how we're supposed to love each other. See, that's the part that the church doesn't get. They get it on a local level. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, love each other. What a sad state the bride is in right now. What a sad state the church is in. Because they may have done the the first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. But the second part has been something that has been escaped by the church. See, they love their local body. They understand love for people that are on the same page as them, perhaps. Or that they have something in common with, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus gave his life. Jesus gave his life for us. Jesus gave everything up for us. We were more important to him than his own life. And he's saying that we're to love each other in the same way. In fact, you cannot understand this. You cannot abide in him if you do not love others. Or if you simply selectively love others. I know that's not going to go over too well on online with some people listening. But you cannot. You cannot be right with Christ. Understand my words. You cannot be right with Christ. You cannot be right in relationship with Him. You cannot be right in relationship with the Father if you do not love, period. Not just who you choose to love. Because Jesus said you are to love, period. Your life cannot be more valuable than the ones you love. Because when we get it, when we get the mind of Christ, when we develop relationship with Him, and, and it, it, it astounds me because this is exactly what Paul said, and I never used to understand it until as I was developing relationship, you begin to understand it more and more. Just how your the value of your life, your own life, is less and less. Because you understand that your real purpose is in what Christ does through you. And in that paradigm, it makes others more valuable to you because you see what they don't have and you want them to have it. See, have you ever looked at somebody and recognized, and I'm not talking just about salvation, certainly about salvation. If we see people that don't know Christ as Savior, we want them to be saved. But have you ever looked at somebody and gotten to know somebody and talked with somebody that doesn't have the same relationship that you do, and you just want them to have it? You want them to understand it? See, that's love. That's the love that He wants us to have. That's the love that he wants to permeate in Ignition Church, but not just about Ignition Church. He wants it to permeate outside the walls, to to be with anybody that we come into contact with. I'm convinced 
The first time I set foot on Nigerian soil, I had a love that I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even explain. I, I didn't know any of these people at all. I'm just meeting Andrew for the first time, even though he and I had developed a relationship, you know, over the phone and whatever for a year and a half. But I had a love pouring out for these people that I couldn't understand. Cause, cause they're not, they're not part of my local church. They're not part of Ignition at that time or anything else. But the love was because I want them to have what I have. That's what Paul said. I, I want that. He, he said that to King Agrippa. He said, I, I want you to have everything that I have except these chains. He said, I, I, I love you because I want you to understand relationship is what produces that fruit. Relationship is what produces that joy. Why are you here? Why are you in this life? Why, why are you here listening to a sermon for, I don't know, an hour, whatever it's been? If it's just to hang out with these people, I mean, let me let you in on a clue. We're not that cool. It's, it's not worth, especially Isaac. Isaac just is not that cool. That's what he gets for speaking up. Never, never mouth off to a person with a microphone. Lesson number one, you're welcome. No, but really, why, why are we here? We're here because of love. We're here because of relationship, wanting to build relationships together. Because of that love. Why do we want so badly? I, if you ask anybody here, why do we want so badly to get in a building? I mean, aside from not having to set up the sound system. <laughs> aside from that. No, but why, why are we wanting to get in a building? It's because our capacity to love is greater than our capability to love. We want to reach out to people we don't know. Why? Because we want to see them saved, but so much bigger than that. We want to see them have a relationship. I want to see them have joy in their life. This world does not have joy. And yet we have the joy in us. We have the solution. We have the answer. So it's that love. It's that love. That brings it all about. And if we abide in Him, if we keep that commandment of loving each other, of loving Him, then that's how we abide. And that's how we produce fruit. Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus gave the best example. He said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. This is my favorite part of this chapter. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For the all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask in my name, or ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So see this idea that as we build relationship with him, we start out as his servants. The Bible calls, calls us bond servants. When, when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart, we become bond slaves. By choice, we say, yes, I am your servant. Because I freely accept your gift. But see, as you build relationship with him, then you become his friend. And that, in essence, is the picture of this interview process. He says, you become my friend. And, and he says, no longer, in verse, verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. See, the master just tells him what to do. Here, just, just do this. Just do this. Get it done. 
right? But when we develop relationship and we develop the mind of Christ, then he says we become friends. Why? He says, for all that I have, all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. Jesus literally says, you have become my friends. You have become my partners. You have developed the same paradigms as Christ so he can entrust you with the decisions of a friend instead of a servant. That's our goal. That's our goal. I want to be his friend. I want to be used in such a way that that he is proud of my decisions because they're the same that he would make. See, in our lives, that is the goal. And he says, the way you do that is love. Can't do it by yourself. Can't do it on your own. You can't be a hermit and expect that to happen because you have to love. Not just love him, but love each other. And we've seen the fruits of that in this church. We've seen the fruits of that even in warfare in this church. How there is a bond in love that cannot be broken. There's a power in that love that literally shakes the atmosphere. Are we ready though for that to go outside these walls? I believe so. Because I don't think that that love is myopic in a way to where it's just within us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you and we praise you, God. We're so thankful that you have loved us and you have shown us exactly how to have a relationship with the Father. Because you did it. You showed us by faith. You learned obedience as you were a man. And you plowed that ground so that we might have relationship as well. Through you with the Father. Lord, I pray that we see this life for what it is. And you give us the strength to not hold close to us the cares of this world, but to allow you to do your perfect work in us. Teach us how to love one another. Teach us how to love those whom we don't know that walk in off the street. Or that we walk up to. Give us a love for everybody. Give us a love for your bride. Give us a love for those who don't think the same way we do. Some of those are tough. Give us a love, Father. And the only way we can have that is in relationship with you. I thank you. Thank you for that love is precious. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I was reminded of a verse that we taught in the ladies' class recently, which is Hebrews 12.1. After the whole long chapter of Hebrews 11, about everybody that walked in faith, chapter 12 starts with, Therefore, because we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, those that have gone on before us, those that get it, they get why they were here. My dad is among that great cloud of witnesses that is seeing now what this life was all about and is rooting for me to get it. Can you just get it? The rest of that verse goes on to say, so let us lay aside all that sin that easily entangles us and besets us. And it is just so much easier to say than to do. We had a lot of religious CEOs 
in this world. What, you know what a religious CEO is? Christmas, Easter, optional to go to church. We go to church to celebrate the Jesus baby, and then we go to church to, you know, do the religious side of what's really about the Easter bunny. And we really lose sight of what life really looks like with it. And so I think the thing that I was just thinking about, because I honestly, this is the only thing I got to say. I have no announcements. Because we don't have anything coming up that I'm announcing. But I knew Greg would ask me to do this. So I said, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? And it was really just to leave you today. You know, we have, we have a busy afternoon. Many of us have dinner plans. We have many things. Someone gave me a gift that I had been working for for weeks to be able to enjoy today, and that is a Cadbury cream egg. Thank you. She gave me my, she gave me my, uh, I don't want to say crack, because then that would be bad, but she gave me something I'm going to enjoy today. But, you know, we have a lot of desires and things that we enjoy, but, you know, what are you, if, if there's something that's pulling us away from what this message was about today, what what is pulling you away? What's pulling you away from the assembling together? What's pulling you away from your secret place time? You know, whether it be emails, the the desire to make money, the need to be all things to all your friends, whatever it is, the education you're pursuing, anything else that's pulling you away from what God has for you is entangling you in this life. And as far as the love with other people, I have found this walk with Ignition especially. It is humbling to engage in a close relationship with other people. It takes humility. It's easy to be a Christian on a perch that believes they love the Lord the God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. But they don't love others as their self. Because, heaven forbid, when I become close to Casey... The iron in her is going to sharpen the iron in me, and I don't like that so much. So I wall myself off to my secret place, blinded by the fact that, God, it's just you and me, man. It's just you and me. And it is just he and I. But he says that that abiding has to reflect love. Otherwise, we become blind. And so what change are you willing to make? What change? Because that's really what it's all about. Otherwise, you're just sitting and silence is not agreement. And I realize we don't have the opportunity for everybody to declare, you know, because you are here to listen, and we're listening, we're processing. But what are you willing to change today? What am I willing to change? If something's pulling you away, we've got to make that decision. So today isn't just about finishing church to get on with our plans. Like all across this country today, do, doing the church thing, maybe going to mass last night or whatever the whatever the responsibilities of the religious Holy Week means to them. But then finally, whew, that's over. Okay, now I get back to my life, my school, my job. If something's pulling you away, you gotta you gotta be willing to lay it down, and that's the thing that that is the is the question. And um, ignition, the calling of God, God, we are moving forward. God is moving us forward. We want you. To be part of that. We want the Lord to be able to say, well done and good, you know, thou good and faithful servant. Um, but some here, it would, it would break my heart to think of it. Some here are just not quite ready to give that hundred percent. Some of you are just, you're at 80 and that is so far beyond so many others that by comparison, you think you're good. But God's looking for a hundred. And that's actually, I mean, he deserves that. Because it's his breath in our lungs. So we should pour it out. So um, just think about that throughout the day. Don't, don't let this service go by the wayside. Once you get that Cadbury cream egg in your, in your mouth. And you're swallowing it. And it's just, I've been waiting and waiting for weeks. How could the Holy Spirit have even led my sister in Christ to give me such a precious gift? I have no idea. That was a God thing. Because <laughs> I was actually at a store yesterday and I could not find them. What, what that's about, I have no idea. But, but anyway, don't forget... Don't forget, every step you take, invite the Lord in. You know, he, he gives us richly all things to enjoy, but he will be first. He will be first, or you'll be going around the mountain again and be left behind like that first generation of the children of Israel. Don't be left behind. The promised land is right there. We want to go. Amen. By the way, um, my... 
Cadbury cream egg is a 16 ounce ribeye at Tex Roadhouse. <laughs> Just saying. Um, I, I only have one announcement. It's about creation. Yay! Yeah. Uh, if, if you have not signed up yet, clearly you're not listening to the Lord's will. So you need to check that. No, I'm kidding. Um, but it, but again, uh, now now that the ladies' retreat is is over with, we can just focus fully forward on on creation coming up. We are a little less than than three months from creation, right? Okay. Um, remember that goes up on the fifteenth. So if you haven't signed up, please make sure you do. Also, talk to people, get them involved, um, and enjoy your day today. It, Shannon, I'm going to have you close this in prayer, but enjoy your day today. Enjoy. But but I'm going to ask that you open your eyes to because on on this day more than any day of the year, people are open to listening. So open your eyes to the the possibilities that the Lord lays in front of your path today to, to even talk to somebody. <laughs> well, maybe he'll give you someone in your dreams. <laughs> yes. Everybody except Beth. Beth gets to sleep. <laughs> but Shannon, come up and close us in prayer. Oh, yes. And that's next Sunday. Yes. Prayer walk. Next Sunday, because it's second Sunday of the month, today's first Sunday, right? And that's, yeah, that is for everybody. So next Sunday, uh, after service, we're, the, the prayer walk's gonna be happening next Sunday, and that's, that's, of course, out at the University of Delaware. If you have any questions, see Casey, but please put that on your calendar if you haven't already.